T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel here with you. We'll uh, hand it over to Zach Zaidman in Cubs pregame in about 40 minutes or so. Hey, if you're caller 6 and caller 7, either one of you, both of you, right now to the Score's contest line at 312-591-6700, you will join me as I broadcast Hit and Run live at the Chicago Dogs game Next Sunday, June 30th, winners receive a pair of tickets to the game, a Chicago-style hot dog for lunch, and a chance to throw out the first pitch. Brought to you by the Chicago Dogs, where every day is Fan Appreciation Day. Let's go out to Wrigley right now and welcome in my partner on Inside the Clubhouse Saturday mornings and the score's baseball expert. He is Bruce Levine out there at Wrigley Field. Good morning or good afternoon now, Bruce. How are you? Good good afternoon, Matt. Yeah, everything's good out here. A little change in the... uh... Cubs uh, 25-man roster, Tony Barnett, who's been on the injured list since spring training. He was signed as a uh, non-rostered free agent in the offseason, joins the team today, and uh, Rowan Wick goes back to Iowa. But uh, Barnett will be used uh, out of the pen. A veteran has been around for a long time, 35 years old, uh, expected to maybe be used in the long long man role, certainly something they could have used yesterday. All right, so Rowan Wick, who had been pretty good at times, mm-hmm. um, this is, is about options available for Rowan Wick and just wanting to cycle more guys through here? Well, I mean, you can only hold off a, a guy that's injured so long. Mm-hmm. When he tells you he's ready and he's got a major league contract, you have to bring him to the big leagues. You just can't keep him there forever. So uh, at, at this point in time, he'd been on the 60-day IL. Uh, he was more than ready in his mind. And uh, Wick, as you said, uh, has options left. They don't have a lot of pitchers that do have options. And he goes to Iowa, and Barnett uh, tries to show why the uh, Cubs signed him in the off season, And uh, hopefully uh, fits into that bullpen, a bullpen that is going to be evolving just, just very much like this quasi six-man rotation that they're going to right now. Yeah, trying to figure out and get a grasp on the way the the pitching staff is set up right now, Bruce, and now it's going to look in a couple of weeks. So as you said, six-man rotation. Um, Before we get to that, though, Craig Kimbrell threw two nights ago at Iowa, threw 19 pitches and 12 strikes. Then he threw last night again. They actually started him Mm -hmm. because they um, wanted to make sure that he got his outing in and there was rain in the forecast. So Last night, I think he threw 14 pitches, eight of them for strikes for Craig Kimbrell. What is, uh, what is the latest plan now that he's gone twice in a row for Iowa? He will throw again uh, for Iowa on Tuesday. After that, there'll be a discussion with the front office uh, and, uh, and Kimbrell as to his readiness to go there. Uh, the, the earliest I could see him possibly being with the Cubs would be next Thursday here, which would be uh, the last day of their homestand. Uh, Maybe even more likely would be, you know, Friday, Saturday as they uh, they go on their their road trip. But uh, again, not. I mean, he's going to have to have a day off after next Tuesday. So Wednesday, the discussion takes place. 
Thursday would be the, the earliest that he would be promoted to the Cubs, more likely Friday, Saturday, depending on how he comes out of Tuesday. But the back-to-back was important. Uh, he had that uh, Friday and Saturday. Now two days off, uh, Sunday, Monday. He goes Tuesday, then a determination after that. All right. So, uh, so I was jumping the gun a little bit as I was thinking about this Brave series, but I guess there still is a chance that it could be the Thursday of the Brave series. I wonder if they'll think about wanting him to get here and you know meet some of his teammates and see Wrigley before they all get off and go on the road. Yeah. I wonder how much they'll think about that part of it. Well, you know, he was here for the, you know, the introductory, right. you know, and, uh, you know, he did get to walk through the clubhouse. So that part is probably okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other part is that, you know, he's a soldier of fortune, Matt. He's, he's <laughs> here for one reason, that is, you know, take his expertise and his big, strong arm and, and help them win ball games at the end. I, so I don't think there's going to be any of that uh, uneasiness for a veteran like Kimbrell, who's already pitched for three teams, I believe, and he, he's, uh, he's ready to go. But again, uh, Tuesday, one more at least in the minor leagues. So, so then a move will need to be made um, at that point. Now, it, 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 I guess the question is, will the six-man rotation remain in effect? And if so, is it a reliever then that gets moved for Kimbrell to come back? How do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, that's, that's a, a fascinating part of it. I'm glad you brought it up because I'm, I'm writing a story in 670thescore.com about that today. The fact that um, you have also Carl Edwards that is coming back, and you do not have the ability in the um, – in, in the bullpen to uh, have guys who uh, are basically uh, optionable. You, you don't have guys that have options left other than Edwards. Edwards had been doing a very good job uh, up until the point he got hurt again and, and went on the IL. So uh, does he go to the minor leagues because you have no options left on your, your other bullpen guys? You know, Ryan and Montgomery, the only two left-handers, you know, do you do you you see yourself, you know, um, you know, designating somebody for assignment that you need in your pen? So there's a lot of moving parts. My guess is that eventually Chatwood leaves that rotation, goes back to the bullpen if everything works out with Alzalay. But uh, they're not saying that right now. They're they're being very coy about what their next moves are. That Joe said that both Chatwood and Alzalay deserve these starts coming up here. You don't know when Hendricks is coming off. He hasn't really been available to talk about his situation and when, when they will be looking at possibly bringing him back. So there's a, a tremendous amount of moving parts for both the rotation and the bullpen. Wow, there's a, there's a lot of factors in there, Bruce, because when you say DFAing somebody, so Brad Brock does not have options left. That's not somebody no. they could send down if they wanted to. No, okay. uh-uh, absolutely not. And on top of all of this, now, you have a situation where uh, he's going to be going with a seven-man bullpen, which is extraordinarily low for how bullpens are used now. Yeah. Uh, and that's not going to be ideal. So we talked, Madden talked a little bit about that as well, knowing that, uh, you know, one of these pitchers, somebody's going to have to help him in the pen. And then you, if you look at the seven-man bullpen, you also hold the guy back for being the long guy, right? So... Do you really have some? So you have a long guy and your closer in Kimbrel. That means you have five in between to use, you know, in a particular period of games. And again, they don't have another off day 
uh, until July 5th. So, so as, I, as I stay on this and the mind reels, I find myself thinking about two distinct possibilities. One, a full-on DFA, a designation for assignment for Brad Brock. Um, as one option. And the other is, would they send Adbert Alzale back down to the minors and abandon the six-man? If he pitches well, he's here, okay? This is the future. You don't punish a young guy mm-hmm. who's in a rotation who's doing the job for you. So, let, so let's say on Tuesday he pitches great against the Braves. <clears throat> you, you, I mean, you're not stuck. You're happy that the guy is matric- matriculated through your system and he's a big, strong power arm right. that's going to be there. So, so I, I don't think that's a possibility. The other possibility, Matt, is that uh, they go with uh, a less amount of position players, which is down to you know four to start the game. Hmm. Actually, three because you have a catcher involved, and you always have to either have two catchers in the game or hold one of those guys back. So you could go to a three-man off the bench, uh, which would really be thin. Uh, on a given day and and cut back in that area to get your eight men in the bullpen. But it's a it's a lot of moving parts and it's fun to think about, uh, you know, exactly what it is. I don't know if it's fun for the Cubs to think about it, but as long as these guys are productive, they'll they'll figure it out. Well, we've we've reached the uh, the soft underbelly of a lot of good baseball franchises when we're talking about the bullpen and and, and how that's built and, and who you lean on. Um, it, it's really interesting. I was looking, Bruce, at, at what the Red Sox have done. They blew their 15th save yeah. yesterday. And they, of course, don't have Craig Kimbrell. But they have guys on pace like Steve Ciszek did for more than 70 games last year. Matt Barnes is on pace for 71 games. That's nine more than last year. Ryan Brazier has pitched already 35 times this year. He threw 34 times last year. You've got very good, smart franchises struggling to figure out what to do in that bullpen. Yeah, and that, then you start thinking about Colomay with the White Sox, Green with the Tigers, and, you know, uh, Smith with the Giants. These are the names that uh, seven or eight, nine teams are looking at as possible uh, hmm. end-to-the-ball-game type guys, closers. And, uh, you know, again, I know the White Sox are kind of torn with Colomay having been so excellent and 16 for 16 and save opportunities, but uh, this is... Uh, an ideal time to rob some more really good young players. And I don't mean Class A. I mean guys that might be closer to helping you at the level of the bullpen, at the level of the rebuild that the White Sox are in right now. In other words, guys that could step in within a year and be another part of, uh, you know, the pitching staff that's controllable for six years, that can be a bullpen guy or a starting pitcher. Those are the things that I'm sure Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are looking at. A couple more items for our guy Bruce Levine from uh, Wrigley Field there on hit and run on 670, the score. Uh, Pedro Strope, since he's been back, has made six appearances, um, and his season ERA now sits at 5.52 in the 18 games. He's had three hamstring injuries over the last nine months. He's had a couple of days off now. Is there, is there an overall concern about Pedro right now, or are they just kind of hoping he, he holds together? Joe was asked about that in the pregame, Matt, and he said that uh, all systems are go, that Pedro feels good, that there's no limitation, and that he still has a strong belief in Pedro. So uh, it's a very good question. It's one that should be analyzed, but n- nonetheless, uh, Joe gave the, uh, the the strong support answer when he was asked today. Uh, you know, again, I'm sure, you know, the Kimbrel situation will 
will help alleviate uh, any concerns about Strope, and he can go back to his mm-hmm. setup role. But uh, you know, there, you know, the ability to get the job done is has not been there quite quite the same for Strope, and uh, you know that's why Kimbrell is going to be a guy that's uh, very very well thought of and appreciated when he does show up probably toward the end of next week. So, and, and the last one is Jose Quintana, who was just brutal yesterday and has had a rough stretch here, a 5.86 ERA over his last six starts. Um, the changeup is being used a little bit less. It's also moving a little bit less, being less effective. And it's, it, it's awfully frustrating to see what's going on with Quintana right now. Any, uh, any insight on that in pregame today? Well, I asked Joe if he would skip uh, somebody now that he has six guys. Yeah. And he said, no, we're not going to skip, but we might creatively move people around. So that might mean that, uh, you know, they back Quintana off toward the end of the uh, rotation the next time he goes uh, rather than, uh, or the time after, so that he has some ample time to straighten out and maybe even just uh, you know get it together physically, and mentally. Because as you said, you know you you identified the pitches that weren't working, but Joe identified the fact that he just wasn't he had no follow through in any of his pitches. Hmm. That he looked uh, lethargic out there. He didn't use that term, but that's what you draw from what he said when he said there was no follow through in any of his stuff. He just looked like a tired pitcher out there. So that being the case, you know, you might see some movement around here uh, going through this rotation the next time. He, he hasn't been named uh, to pitch after the next five guys. Hmm. Uh, maybe maybe they push him a little further back. Interesting. Um, all right, Bruce. Uh, Cole Hamels and Jacob deGrom out there on today, the 35th anniversary of the Sandberg game. I directed people there, and I, I will again to the uh, – the podcast from inside the clubhouse yesterday when you and I were fortunate to talk to Bob Costas and Ryan Sandberg about that game 35 years ago today. And uh, any folks um, reminiscing about that game today? In the yeah, they will. And, and Sandberg will be thrown out the first pitch and also, you know, be a uh, seventh inning stretch. So, uh, oh, there you, go. you know, 35 years ago, I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed that show with you yesterday. It was, it was awesome to talk to uh, Ryan and to Bob about their remembrances. And uh, yeah, I mean, Certainly uh, one of the greatest uh, regular season games I've ever seen. And I think a lot of people with a Chicago background and even you sitting at home uh, remember, you know, watching that game and being thrilled by it. Without a doubt. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. All right, Matt. Take care. You got it. It's Bruce Levine, the Scores Baseball Expert, live there from Wrigley Field. All right. We got a few minutes. If you want to hop in, do it now. 312-644-6767. Taking you up to Cubs pregame with our man, Zach Zaidman. This is Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. What should they do when Craig Kimbrell comes to this team, be it next Wednesday, next Thursday, Friday, something like that? Do you designate Brad Brock for assignment? Do you try and work out a trade with one of your relievers that perhaps has been bandied about there? Do you invent another injury for one of your starters and just go with five for a little while? What, what will the move be? What should it be? And um, I'll also tell you what I think is going on with Jose Quintana when we come back on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum 
of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Tony Pesh Quick. Most in the part I am right now, you know. And it be a tough last month for me against the W. And, you know, uh, the keep battle, you know, um, uh, sometimes um, be the score there, you know, throw the ball well, but you don't get results. So this game is about results, and and, and I want to be there, you know, so I'm going to keep, keep working my stuff and, and go to the man and do my job. We're good, you know, it's, um, it's tough, back-to-back loss, you know, and... And we continue. We um, in a good page right now, and and for me, they want to help, bro. Want to help, and you know, I, I know I don't do my job right now, but but I'll be here to do my my things. That's Jose Quintana yesterday after the game, face the music, talking to the media after an absolutely brutal, brutal outing. Here's what's happening with Jose Quintana, and you're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Um, they really wanted him to be throwing his change up more. Remember that? They talked to him about it in spring training and said they talked to him about it and they wanted him to don't just nod your head and say you're going to do it. No, actually do it. Actually really, really throw the change up more. And then in that really good stretch early on in the year, he was. So it's not the only part of it, but it's a big part of it, that willingness to throw the change up and mixing it in. So that way... Um, you're throwing the hitters off from the fastball and the curve. And by the time the second and third times through the rotation come, they don't know what to expect. They don't know what to look for because they're like, oh, he'll throw all three of those pitches at any, at any point of the count. Well, his changeup has been getting worse as the year has progressed. It's moving less. And Bleacher Nation had a great write-up on this uh, today looking at some of the, the, the movement of the changeup on Brooks baseball. And now the changeup is moving less, and it's also being less effective. And you know they know that. He probably knows that. Oh, they're hitting my changeup a lot more. And then you know what happens? He ends up using it less. His usage has gone down from like 11.9, not a gigantic spike down, but it's still gone down, and it's also been worse. And this is what happened last year. It's what happens a lot in Jose Quintana's career. It's why they work so hard to convince him to throw it more every spring. Throw the changeup. Also, his fastball velocity is down, so that doesn't help an awful lot. He's down at 91 or so. So that's going on usage-wise. And then otherwise, I just I worry about the confidence for Jose Quintana. I worry about the confidence, and I worry about it in a week where the guy he was traded for, in part, Eloy Jimenez, comes to town and hits an absolute bomb of a home run in the ninth inning to win a game in Jose's ballpark. When there's uh, been conversation, certainly externally, a ton of it about how uh, you know, that, that trade is, is one that, that the Cubs should regret. Jose Quintana sees his former team, the White Sox, Slowly getting better with the help of Eloy Jimenez. Maybe hears about Dylan Cease coming. I mean, really, when you think about it, he went from a situation where there was no pressure any time out for the White Sox. There just never, ever was. To a situation where there is pressure every single time he goes out 
high-stress situations, if you allow it, if it gets to you, to try and, uh, and be the very best that you can possibly, possibly be. And it's just, it's just not happening for Jose Quintana. And you know it's disappointing to him. And then that can just sort of cycle onto itself. It can spiral out of control mentally and confidence-wise, even for capable players, pitchers, hitters in the game. It's just incredibly challenging and daunting to get yourself out of that sort of cycle. I'm wondering how much of that is going on with Jose Quintana. I don't know for sure, of course, but I'm wondering how much of that is going on. Such a, such a crazy, crazy game to try and figure out. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves would like to thank their loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you and see you in October. Um, if you've ever heard me talk baseball, and you probably have by this point, you know that I'm fascinated with how organizations try to solve the pitching injury riddle and simply cannot. Right? That everybody wants to know, how can we make guys get Tommy John less? How can we do that? And they struggle. Just was reading this today on The Athletic. About seven hours ago, this crossed. It's an in-depth program on what the Texas Rangers were trying to do over the past few years with something they called the D-Load program. Have you guys heard about this at all? The D-load program, the thought process was this, okay? A pitcher gets drafted, and he has been worked like crazy in high school under coaches who maybe haven't been using the arm health standards that professional baseball was or didn't allow them recovery time or were just trying to win a lot of games or, or whatever, right? So you draft a high school pitcher, then you have them undergo what the Rangers called a deload program. So let them recover. Okay. So you've got a guy, give their arm time to recuperate before asking them to then throw even more, which you're trying to do. So the idea was, all right, we just drafted a guy. Here we go. And we draft him in June. We're not going to let them throw off a mound for a couple of months. That was the thought process. Let's, okay, let's just shut them down for a little while, and then we'll build them back up, was the thought process. A deload program. How do you think it worked? Would anybody like to take a guess on how the deload program of the Texas Rangers worked? I mean, you understand why they tried, why everybody tries something. Uh, as of May, 29% of pitchers, who threw at least one pitch in the big leagues from 2009 to 2018, had undergone Tommy John surgery. Just about 30% of everybody who's thrown a pitch in the last 10 years has undergone Tommy John. It's crazy. So everybody's looking and trying to figure out what to do. So 11 pitchers were put in the deload program for the Texas Rangers. At this point, where we stand now, six of them ended up getting Tommy John surgery. Oh, man, I'm not laughing at those kids. I'm laughing at the Texas Rangers. And it's not like they're idiots. John Daniels is not some bonehead, right? Or <clears throat> Paul Kruger, the, <clears throat> the director of minor league operations for the Texas Rangers. It's not, they're not boneheads. 
Paul Kruger had said about it, uh, quote, we had done special programs for high school and high inning college players prior to implementing the deload program. We would draft and sign guys and we would shut them down for most, if not all of the summer. This was certainly a planned effort from day one for the high school signees. So, yeah, they got 11 guys and now six of them have had Tommy John. It's a small sample size. I can hear you saying sure, but that's. More than 50%, by my math, about 54.5% of the pitchers ended up with Tommy John. Some of them were shut down from, like, the first week of June through the 22nd of August. It completely and utterly failed. Fascinating to me. Uh, this, uh, this article on The Athletic talked to uh, a couple of experts about why this might not have worked. And there's a guy named Ben Hansen who's the vice president of biomechanics and innovation for Modus. That's a company that has invented a sensor designed to measure the workload on pitchers' elbows. It's called a Modus sleeve. You've probably heard that talked about before. I know the Cubs have, uh, have been doing some work. At some point, they were doing some work with Modus and the sleeves. Um, but I'm not sure what the Cubs' plans are along this way. I just know that the deload program failed um, pretty dramatically. So this guy, Ben Hansen, said that the problem is... Uh, if you are going to put pitchers in a spot where their chronic arm loads are really low and then they go back to pitching competitively, that's not good. They're not supposed to be, they're not going to be exposed to fatigue. So it's like, yeah, you throw, 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 and then shut them down. And then let's go back to throwing some more up hugely, massively vulnerable. So look, man, I don't know what the next thing is going to be. I don't know what next organization is going to find some way as they try and doing that, uh, you know, try and limit pitcher injuries and limit Tommy Johns. But I know that the deload program is not going to be it. Texter asking, wait a minute, did the other perform better than average? Uh, no, no, they did not. Um, a few of them are healthy. But uh, none of them have, uh, have progressed uh, up towards the, um, the, the top levels of the Rangers system as of yet. So, no, but that first year in the program, the most one of them threw was 21 and a third innings. He ended up with Tommy John. Then a guy threw 20, he did not. A guy threw six and a third, he did not. But a bunch of others did. So, Look, small sample, and maybe that'll be some sort of uh, part of the, the answer, part of the puzzle to the answer to this at some point. But as of right now, it didn't work. No. I know. Sorry, Rangers. A couple of uh, other little bits of uh, news around baseball. Trevor Rosenthal, the former Cardinals closer who had Tommy John surgery himself in 2017, came back this year and was pitching with the Nationals on a guaranteed deal. He was released, flat-out released today, still throwing 98 miles per hour. Uh, I assume that somebody will pick him up and try to give him a chance, but he has been absolute chaos, has not been able to find the plate, and yesterday had just the final in a, in a, in a string of really bad outings for the Washington Nationals, and they just flat-out cut him. I wonder... If some bullpen strap team will give him a shot and try to build him back up. The was the the twins signed Cody Allen, the former Indians closer, who was then in Anaheim and then got released himself last week. So the twins have given him a shot. Everybody's scrambling, looking for pitching constantly. 
So Trevor Rosenthal straight up released by the Nationals. And for Atlanta, based off the same game yesterday, Mike Fultonevich, Manuka, Illinois' own, who was their ace last year, a 2.85 ERA, struck out 10 per nine innings last year for the Atlanta Braves. This year he's been awful, a 6.37 ERA, only 7.58 strikeouts per nine. They sent him down, optioned him to the minors yesterday for Mike Fultonevich. Woof, this is a rough, rough game in part because the smartest guys are still trying to figure everything out. This has been fun on Hit and Run with you, 670 The Score listeners. Thank you, as always, for your calls at 312-644-6767. Thank you for your text at 6711. You can tweet me all week at Matt Spiegel 670 Thank you to Adam Stadzinski for his fine work today. Thank you to Mike Chen for his work over the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Thanks to... Chuck Garfine and Ryan McGuffey for being my guest co-host today. That was really fun. And for Chris Kamka for his weekly Cam Connections hit. Cubs baseball is next with Zach Zaidman. Zach will be doing play-by-play tomorrow and Tuesday. I'll be stepping into Zach's role doing pregame and postgame tomorrow on the Cubs broadcast. So make sure to join us then. Zach and the Cubs are next. This has been fun. Talk to you next week on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.